I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of the Scottish History Podcast, Unlucky for Some. My name is Owen Innes and uh, once again, welcome back. To those of you that are just listening to the podcast for the first time, I do recommend that you go back uh, a number of episodes. The reason being is because you're jumping into a story kind of halfway through. Um, This week, we're going to be talking about the events of Bonnie Prince Charlie after the Battle of Culloden. Last week, we talked about the Battle of Culloden itself and uh, a little bonus episode about a man called Roderick Mackenzie. Uh, So this week we're going to be talking about Bonnie Prince Charlie and the aftermath of the Battle of Culloden. So within days of the battle itself, the the dead were buried in mass graves on the site of the battle. The dead remained buried underfoot at Culloden Battlefield to this particular day. Nowadays there are remembrance markers across the whole site. These indicate the clans and the government soldiers... Uh, that fought at the battle, but not where they are actually buried. Uh, This is something really for the Outlander fans. Uh, Although the great things that Outlander has done for Scotland's tourism industry and the popularisation of the Jacobites worldwide, to see the worship of the clan Fraser Stone, um, it's been a little bit sad in a way, uh, with people regularly picnicking and uh, and things like that on the site of that particular stone probably unaware because they've not been through the exhibition to to actually know this uh, but probably unaware that they are currently sitting and um, having fun I suppose on a mass grave the battle site at Culloden is not for this it is for remembrance it is Highly seen as disrespectful, as I'm sure you can imagine, uh, as to what actually happened at uh, Culloden. Anyway, uh, so after the battle, about 1,500 uh, Highland clansmen arrived at Reuven Barracks uh, to the south of Inverness, ready and eager to fight once again. However, very soon they received a letter from Bonnie Prince Charlie indicating that the fight was over. The uprising was done and it was now every man for himself. By the 20th of June 1746, Bonnie Prince Charlie had reached a place called Arasig. Arasig is on that sort of West Highland line between Fort William and Maleg. So Maleg is really kind of the end of the West Highland uh, railway line, uh, I should say when I refer to that West Highland line. Um, But just before uh, there, you've got Arasig, you've got Morar, uh, so Arasig is where Bonnie Prince Charlie arrived and uh, subsequently you'll find it's also where he left. Uh, so by the 20th of June that's where he'd reached Arasig, uh, so close to the site where he had first landed at Loch Nan Uin. He then fled to the Outer Hebrides, uh, the island of Benbecula in the Outer Hebrides where he stayed until the 28th of June 1746 where the lad that was born to be king was brought 
over the sea to sky. One of the prince's aides was a man called Con O'Neill. Uh, he was from County Antrim in Ireland, uh, who, and he was a distant relative of a woman who had lived on the Isle of Skye and now living in uh, a place called Uist. Her family were government supporters during the uprisings, however, she grew very sympathetic to the prince's situation. This lady's name was Flora MacDonald. Her stepfather's name was Hugh MacDonald, who was a commander in a pro-government militia on the Isle of Skye. Because of this, Flora was able to, and I might, I must say this, uh, hesitantly, uh, she feared what would happen to her if anybody found out that she had helped the prince. Ultimately, you'll find that out in a later uh, bonus episode about Flora herself. Uh, but because of her uh, stepfather, Flora was able to gain the required permits to sail a boat from Uist across to the Trotternish Peninsula on the island of Skye. Now, this is just uh, from a couple of sources in which I've read, but Hugh MacDonald, however, allegedly already knew that the prince was on Benbecula and apparently even advised the prince where his search parties were so that they could be avoided. Again, this is from a couple of sources on the internet. It was the first time that I'd read about it, um, but these sources had been around for a while, so um, please feel free to fact-check me on that if you wish. Uh, the permit uh, issued indicated there would be um, a certain number of people on the boat. There would be six boatmen to crew the ship. There was one manservant, who ultimately was Con O'Neill, Flora MacDonald herself, and her maid. Her maid's name was Betty Burke, who was an Irish woman whom Flora had technically just met. Because Betty Burke was actually Bonnie Prince Charlie in drag. A blue and white frock, if I believe, uh, was thrown upon him as they sailed across. They arrived on Skye, just north of Uig, at a place now referred to as Prince Charlie's Point, and then they headed to the reasonably large town on the Isle of Skye. It's the capital of the Isle of Skye, uh, I suppose, uh, Portree. Where outside the current Portree Hotel, just off of the main town square, is where Flora and Charlie said their goodbyes and they never saw each other again. And once again, there's going to be more about Flora MacDonald in a little bonus episode that I'll do very akin to that of Roderick Mackenzie. Charlie was then heading to the neighbouring island of Rassi. However, he was told to ditch his newfound woman's disguise as he stood out a bit too much in it. So he did, and then headed across to Rassie. From there we know he came back to the mainland of Scotland and flirted around the north for a time, and uh, despite that £30,000 reward on the prince's head, he was never betrayed by any of his loyal clansmen or clanspeople. He eventually left Scotland again from Arasaig, where he had arrived less than a year earlier. He was picked up by a French frigate and taken back to France, where he was treated as a kind of celebrity of the time, this uh, romantic idea of going across and trying to save your country. So he arrived back in France as a little bit of a celebrity. In 1748, Charles was exiled from France as part of the Anglo-French peace agreement at that time and he headed back to Rome. 
He did, however, make it back to Britain once. Fairly secretly, apart from the fact that, of course, we, we know all about it now. But he came back to Britain in 1750, where he claimed he was now a Protestant and would take the throne that way. But, of course, it didn't work. During this particular visit, he met and had a relationship and a child with a woman called Clementina Walkinshaw. The child was called Charlotte. Allegedly, however, Bonnie Prince Charlie had become violent and Clementina claimed that Charles would beat her regularly. Charles may indeed have been a violent man, but on the other side, there has been proof to say that Clementina was a Hanoverian spy and therefore, of course, you know, again, that idea of trying to worsen his name. So I cannot say whether or not that is true. Please feel free to add your Uh, bits in the comments or an email whatever Uh, please feel free to do so and then we jump forward a little bit to 1722 bonnie prince charlie marries princess louise of stolberg she herself was a teenager but the prince was now a 50 year old broken alcoholic after just eight years she left him for a famous poet in 1783 He then invited his daughter Charlotte to come and live with him and uh, he then proclaimed her as the Duchess of Albany. But this title did not give her any right of succession to the British crowns. So Charles, Edward, Louis, John, Casimir, Sylvester, Severino, Maria Stuart died in Rome on the 31st of January in 1788. He died of a stroke one month after his 67th birthday. His birth had been marked by a great storm that had ravished the city of Hanover. However, he never succeeded in storming back the throne of Britain to his family. He was buried first in Frascati Cathedral, where his brother Henry was bishop. But upon Henry's death in 1807, Bonnie Prince Charlie's body was exhumed and placed in St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican, where he was laid to rest next to his father and his brother Henry. His heart, however, remains buried at the Frascati Cathedral in a small urn under the floor. If you do ever visit Rome, I do suggest that you go to the crypts uh, underneath St. Peter's Basilica. It, uh, it, St. Peter's Basilica itself is, a, is an absolutely wonderful building. Um, highly, highly suggest it. Uh, if you do plan on heading to the crypts, uh, what I do suggest is that you look up the opening times. Unfortunately, uh, with my visit there recently, I was unable to go because the queues, it was like Disneyland, it was crazy. Uh, you know, it was about a four hour queue just to get into the Basilica itself. I mean, it's completely free, of course, but. Um, yeah, very, very, very long queue to get in. So myself and my partner decided that we will go later. So we went one evening about, I think it was 8 or 9 p.m., something like that. No queue, straight in. But the crypts themselves close at about 4 or 5 p.m. So if you do want to go down into the crypts and see the uh, the gravesite of Bonnie Prince Charlie, Henry, and of course... Uh, his father, the old pretender, then I suggest that you do and make sure that you check the opening times. 
So folks, that once again wraps it up uh, for another episode. I I do apologise, these episodes tend to be a little bit short. The reason being is I'm just trying to take a specific um, period of time before sort of moving on. Uh, The Jacobites is such a long story that I didn't want to put it all into one big long episode. Um, But I hope that the way in which you're listening to it, be it Spotify, um, uh, Amazon, uh, Apple or on YouTube, whatever, whichever uh, means that you're using to listen to this particular podcast, I hope that it's uh, been uh, very easy to follow. Uh, So just before we wrap things up, I want to first of all thank all of those people that have signed up for the Patreon. I am absolutely amazed at the support that uh, that I'm being shown. Um, It is phenomenal. Thank you very, very much for pledging your money to me every month. It's it's, uh, well, not to me, to, to the podcast. The money is going straight to the podcast, of course. Uh, for the help for the hosting fees etc um, a new microphone stand uh, it will be uh, something in the near future as well this one has become very very wobbly but that's what happens when you buy something cheap um, so yep uh, so the patreon has been brilliant if you're new to the podcast and you want to support please head across to patreon.com forward slash scott history pod uh, so Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Alternatively, you can click the link in the description, wherever it is that you are, on YouTube, whatever, you should be able to find that. Uh, Patreon.com there. Uh, I only have two supportive tiers. One is just £1 a month, and the other one is for £3 a month. Um, so if you're able to spare £1 a month, I think they'll take £1.10 pence off of you. I think that's a Patreon that you know, so Patreon get their cut. Uh, so it's one pound um, or three pounds. I'm never going to put it any higher than that, and the reason being is because you know, I mean, that's about the price of a pint. If you want to buy me a pint once a month, three pounds—that's perfect. There's some bars in Edinburgh that will charge a lot more than three pounds for a pint, but there you go. Um, so that sort of uh, sorts that out. So please, if you can, the the podcast is always going to be free. I'm never going to charge for the podcast. Um, you know, so this will be, so it's the same content, there's no, um, I mean, as the podcast grows a little bit, if someone throws me out a couple of ideas, I might do Patreon-only things, but I don't really fancy doing that, I want to keep this available to everyone. Uh, of course, we also have Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, I believe we're also on Amazon, I mentioned Amazon earlier, um... And, of course, YouTube. Uh, just go to uh, any of these, type in, just simply type in the Scottish History Podcast. You'll find the big blue face of uh, Robert the Bruce there. And, of course, the author, Owen Innes, you'll see underneath. So, very, very easy to find. Same on Facebook. Um, the Facebook thing, just search in the search bar of the Scottish History Podcast. Twitter, at Scott History Pod. You can send me an email. That's scotthistorypod at gmail.com. And yeah, I just want to thank all of you in the last week or so that have either supported me on Patreon, sent me a message on Facebook, sent me an email. It is greatly appreciated. Of course, you know that because I've responded to every single one to to say how appreciative I am. So if you are listening to this, please, please uh, get in touch, post some comments down below, ask questions, give me recommendations of things that you would like to hear in the future. Anyway, folks, once again, thank you very much for listening and I will see you in the next episode.